0: Okay, go. This is Andy Kushner with the podcast show Extraordinary Ordinary People at eopeople.net, and you're listening to Jeff Smith of Vroom Vroom Veer. Well done again, sir. Thank you. All right. (laughs) All right. I'll be right back. Okay. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith Walter, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm doing
1: well, Jeff. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have a, a fun time and a, a nice chat. Uh, I think we're on the same wavelength uh, as far as uh, life and money goes and work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In our pre-show absolutely. chat. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on at BetterMoneyDecisions.com and what you're excited about today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Better Money Decisions is a registered investment advisor firm. And the listeners may have heard some of the the news in the last year or so about what has been called the fiduciary rule. And now that I'm saying this, some people are like, oh, yeah, I vaguely heard something about sure. that. Sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, there's a lot of folks talking about that rule. They exactly. hadn't been in a in a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, there were some some changes and then some other changes, but right. uh, it didn't really affect our firm because we have always been fiduciaries, Jeff, and what oh, that nice. means is, yeah, oh yeah. And we have the legal Obligation, ethical obligation, all of these to put client interests above our own. And, and what that translates to in real life is it means that if somebody comes in, say, and has a portfolio that's super cheap, that they're getting great service and it's, it's, it's invested in the right way that's appropriate for them, for their risk tolerance, their age range. And if we look at this and we're like, "Oh, this is absolutely perfect. Th- there's nothing I can do to improve upon what you have." Mm. Then there's not, you know, we're not going to come in and say, "Okay, well we're going to charge you X amount and we're going to take this business and 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 take it away from where you have it that's already super cheap and perfectly appropriate for you." Now, in practice, we have never seen that. Okay. (laughs) right. Yeah. 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 I get that. Uh, I mean, we've seen little examples here and there. Like we had somebody who had a uh, a very cheap bond fund that he came in with. Mm. And he was he was not only inexpensive, but he was getting a really good Interest rate because it was something he had purchased many years ago back when interest rates was hot were higher and that was locked in. Right. So that was the kind of thing on that particular product we had to say to him, no, we cannot do better on that. No, wow. but there were other okay. aspects of his business. Well, because of where interest rates are now, you know, sure. you,
0: you're not, yeah, you're not yeah, going to evergreen. That's not going to last forever.
1: Well, yeah, he, that's that's right. You can't you can't uh, you can't come in there and and replace a high interest rate with something that's lower and say, well, we've we've improved upon this for you. Not in right. that situation. You know, everybody's situation is unique. Um, what else do I have going on here? I have a brand new book called Don't Let Your Money Kick the Bucket Before You Do. Oh,
0: I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, And people are living longer, so.
1: Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeff, this might blow your mind here, but the number of people living to age 100 has grown by 43% over that's the past crazy. decade. Yeah. Isn't
0: I, Nuts. I know. And it's gonna get better slash worse, depending on what <laughs> it's better. It's better. We'll we'll be optimistic, you know. If you're scared, then you're like, Oh, geez, I have to plan more, right?
1: <laughs> Bingo. Well, that's it. That's right, it. Right. And, you know, people say things like, oh, you know, everybody kind of rolls their eyes. They're like, I don't want to live to 100. Yeah, but more and more people are. And, you know, people like to joke. They say things like, well, on my 85th birthday, I'll jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> no, you won't. No, you no, won't. You, won't. No, you, you, you don't won't. see that happening. No, you know, you everybody just hangs in there. <laughs> yeah. So, But you, you're absolutely right. It's, it's uh, you know, back in our grandparents or great-grandparents days when people basically retired at 65 and they were dead by 66 doesn't work like that anymore. People does not work like that anymore.
0: Yeah. 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 I've I've been going through this with my parents because they're Mm. getting close to 80, like Mm. 78, Mm -hmm.
1: 79. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My parents are the same age. Yeah. Yeah. see. So Mm. like
0: every time I talk to them, I, I tell them that they've dodged all the big four bullets. Yep. So that means that they're going to be around for a while. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you're almost 80 and you haven't had a heart attack, a stroke, uh, ne- what is it? degenerative uh neurodisease like Alzheimer's or something. Wow. Yeah. Or what's the last one? Help me out here. I don't uh, know. Yeah, there's one more. uh, There's heart disease, cancer. Yeah, cancer. Uh Yeah, duh. Uh (laughs) Uh, Those are the big fours, right? The big four. If you haven't gotten those by by the time you're 78 or 79, you're probably not going to get them. Well, and you know what else? They're also due to medical science. Yeah.
1: Last year, some medical group, I can't remember this, but it was in the news, They recharacterized cancer as a chronic condition, not a terminal condition. I mean, medical care is getting so much better that people are surviving things today that a generation ago would have killed you. Today, you pop a pill. Right.
0: You know, and it's only going to get better.
1: That's right. That's Right. right. So which means you need to plan ahead for this. Right. And
0: people are not, unfortunately. Right. Well, let's get into that. Okay. So this is room, Vroom Veer. So before we really get into all things money, let's, let's talk a little bit about Kate and Kate's life journey. It's like the story of Kate in an hour or so. <laughs> uh, I won't know, take that much time. <laughs> or so. Yeah. yeah I know yeah. we don't have that much time on the right. clock. I get you. <laughs> but close. Um, yeah. So what part of the country did you grow up?
1: A few different places. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, my parents like to move a lot, and and you know, I I was I, it was not military. People often ask me that. Right. Oh, military? No, just uh, just roaming, right, just, just nomadic. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my dad was uh, he worked at Eastman Kodak, so he got transferred a couple Uh, times. That was almost like being in the
0: military. Right. Yeah.
1: And you don't see that anymore. You just don't see that anymore. That that people, you know, take corporate transfers and just move their family across the country. I think I, I think there's more of a sort of a family-friendly approach, and, and it's just, it, you just don't, and then people often will say, eh, you know, I'm not, it just, it, I, you just don't see that the way no. you did a few decades ago. Right. Um. But anyway, my dad was part of that whole thing of where corporations, Eastman Kodak, was transferring him around, and um, I, I was born in upstate New York, we lived in New York City, then we lived in Tennessee, and wow. Pennsylvania, now Pennsylvania. That's a, that's a big deal. Going well, from yeah. New York
0: City to to Tennessee, that's like night and day, right?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think we actually went to Pennsylvania before oh, then. Okay. It, was a, it was a suburb, and he was he was commuting into New York City. I mean, it was it's just this crazy stuff that you just don't hear about anymore, you mm, know? Right? Um, just kind of back in that day. And um, and then they they transferred him down to Tennessee. We were there, and then moved back up to Rochester again to the mothership of Kodak. Right. You know, it's um, and then within all of that, and to this day, Jeff, my parents still they they like to they they get bored living in the same house.
0: That's me too. And, yeah, once, okay. Once you, once you start doing the moving every once in a while, yeah, it, it, you're like, wow, we've been here too damn long. Right <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. It's just we've been here too long, you know, yeah,
1: I have a yeah. little bit of that myself. it's it's and I think one of the an upshot I think of moving around a lot as a kid is I'm not attached to real estate right. Uh, I, right to right. me, it's a bunch of it's it's drywall. it's it's some yeah. tiles on the floor. I'm right. not attached to it right you know
0: I, i'm I'm with you on that. It took <laughs> a long time for me to get uh, to get to that space because I grew up there was only two houses for my whole mm-hmm. childhood <laughs> and okay. all in the same town right so yeah. so i didn't get that that feeling until after i yeah i was 18 and joined the military so oh yeah and it took right. a long time for me to detach mm-hmm. from that sort of like small town sort of like gravitational pull right and yeah but yeah i get what you're talking about for you so what kind of childhood were was it pretty traumatic for, for you as a kid or, well, maybe the first couple moves you're like, no, I'm going to miss all my friends. But then after like the fourth one, you were like, yeah, whatever. Now the only one that was, that seemed
1: th- that was difficult was in high school when uh, we moved right. from Tennessee back up to Rochester. That because was, because you only... had like yeah. connections there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was tough. Uh, but you know, that's, it, it is what it is and you move on and, and uh and that was that was that and then you know it's funny because then kind of jumping ahead to some of the career stuff then you know college all of this it, it, i was I think a lot of people today, y- you and I both must hear this same story very often from people of, oh, I I had a corporate job and my my inner landscape painter was unfulfilled. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm kind of the opposite, actually. I, yeah. I, I uh, was an English major in college, went to film school after, uh, after I graduate. So it's funny, I'm in finance now and people think I was like a math major or something. No, right, I was right. not. And we'll, we'll talk about that some more. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I remember at the time when I was going to film school and I remember my father giving me this look and I said to him, well, you know, I just don't want to be like an independent filmmaker. And he just looks at me and goes, Oh, you mean living poor in an artist garret
0: somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> you mean you want to be a waitress?
1: Yeah. Right. That's what all parents
0: say. (laughs) That's right.
1: You know, and I now now I get where he was coming from, because really, it was an incredibly stupid plan. Um, Right. Because I sort of I didn't realize that the people who back in that day of the independent filmmakers, what I didn't realize is they were not just these artists. They were hustlers. You know the people right. who are out there right. who get those indie film deals, and I mean they're yeah. networking, they're raising money. E- e- that's and that's they a lot of. They
0: also that. don't have like a, a backup plan. They're they're all in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They're all Net- in. They don't have it. They don't have a plan B. You know. Yeah. It's either this yeah. or the poorhouse. So they're, they're right. highly motivated.
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's that's exactly right. So. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, after a while, fortunately, I, I was at Columbia University Film School. I only lasted one semester, by the way. Okay, uh, wow. Because I realized, oh, I realized it was just dumb. It was. Uh, I'll <laughs> talk. It was decades ago, so sure. I don't mind criticizing yeah. it now. Um, yeah. yeah. This was at the time when Columbia University had hired Milosh Forman, who was the director of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was kind of at the at the peak of his career. And honestly, and, you know, we can have the listeners all start Googling now. I do not know whether uh, Mr. Forman is uh, among the living at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I have not. That's OK. Well, I don't. You know, yeah. facts
0: are irrelevant because Google exists. That's right. That's They're, right. Google so, it yourself. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's right. Everybody go Google that. That's right. Um, But he had been hired to run the film program, and he was from, well, now the Czech Republic at the time, Czechoslovakia, and uh, he had brought over to the United States several of his friends. Film industry colleagues from Czechoslovakia. And you do have to respect this because these folks, obviously, they had been under a communist regime right. and they okay. were artists and yeah. they were coming to like a more free society. So it was great. So good for them, you know? Right. Uh, but he had a couple of his colleagues who also, there was a woman uh, who had been a screenwriter in Czechoslovakia, another gentleman who had been, a, I believe, a producer, a director with Mr. Forman over there. So, those two people kind of came in and taught a few classes. I never did see Milush Foreman. Never saw him
0: the mm, whole time. Yeah. Interesting. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right.
0: It was part of the sales brochure. It was. It right. was.
1: And there were some interesting people. There was a a cool class. Now, I'm really digressed. I haven't talked about this in years, Jeff. This is really interesting. But that's cool. I like it. Lane. I'm having yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, uh, there was uh, many people might know Bob Balaban. He was on uh, Seinfeld for years. Oh, uh, okay. But this was way before. He played the TV executive on Seinfeld. Um, but this was years before Seinfeld and bob taught an acting class at columbia and i liked bob he was a he was a cool guy he taught an acting class there that i took um, and there were there were some other interesting people that, that came in and spoke but honestly i kind of was like okay i'm spending money here at columbia university i'm living in new york city it was terrible housing at the time i mean columbia university was housing grad students in just just crummy and I'm putting it you know that's G-rated uh, <laughs> facilities at the time sure that, that you know you, you can't get away with that stuff today you right. just cannot you know everything is I mean seriously there were mice in the building mm. and I I think what that was about was I, I tell you what I'll tell you what it was. They uh they had purchased those buildings and they were um housing for low income folks. I don't think it was like technically section 8, but it was low income housing. Right. And I think they were just letting them go hoping to run everybody out and turn it into fancy student housing. And I know, I am absolutely with certainty if we went in there today 2017, I'm sure it's beautiful student housing, you know? Sure. sure <laughs> yeah. Sure. They yeah. wanted the address. Yes.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: And Columbia owns a lot of that real estate up in wow. the yeah. uh, upper west side of New York City. They, they own a whole lot of that. So anyway, uh, came back, moved back up to Rochester where my parents were living at the time, um, became a newspaper reporter. And that was kind of that sort of set me on, on the path.
0: Was so was, when, uh, when you were still in college, you did a mm-hmm. semester of film school and then you finished and graduated with an English degree, right?
1: Um, uh, no, I graduated oh. college with an English degree and oh. then went to grad school at oh. Columbia for oh, nice. one
0: semester, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, uh-huh. so you already had the English degree yeah. and then you mm-hmm. went to film school. That's right. Yeah. For once for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a whole semester. <laughs> and yeah. And then you're like, yeah. this is dumb. Okay. This is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. <Right. laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's a veer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. It was a veer. Yeah. You're right. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> at least yeah. it only took you a semester.
1: Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. I know. So, yeah. So, then went up to Rochester, worked at a place called City Newspaper, which um, every town to this day, still has these. They're sort of the, the independent newspaper, sort of the, the counterculture paper, if you will. Oh, all right. You, you know the one I mean. That's kind of not the main daily paper, but it's sort right. of the... Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know if City Newspaper is still around or not. It was owned by a a very nice couple who, uh, great people, had, had terrific roots in the Rochester community. Um, they must have long ago retired. So, but mm. I... I Again, I, I don't know. It's funny. You know, some some things in your history you keep up with, others not so much, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of them. Yeah. And then uh, after a few years, moved out to, I did that for a few years, not too long, two or three, I don't know, maybe, what year was it, 84? Well, maybe, I, I don't remember. It was a few years, not very long. And then uh, towards the towards around 1990 or so, this is way back, went yeah. out uh, went out to California and became a uh, we talked about living in Los Angeles right? and I went out to Los Angeles and uh, became a film industry journalist so worked at uh, at a place called Film and Video Magazine that has been sold several times not around anymore and then for several years at Variety and some people may have heard of that one. I've heard of
0: Variety they're okay. still around.
1: They are but you know what they're not printing anymore they're not on paper anymore they're really? digital. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No more no more print. That's my understanding of it. Now I don't know if they do maybe like a once a week or a special issue, they may. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I believe they ceased the daily print publication yeah, and is that all
0: Probably makes sense. Unfortunately yeah. maybe. Fortunately or unfortunately, everything's yeah. digital now. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is what it is.
1: That's <laughs> what I was about to say. Exactly. I, you know that is so funny. I am not sentimental about this stuff, Jeff. I'm like any times change.
0: Yeah, that, it is you know, what it is. That's I'm, right. I'm more, I found myself, and I just had this talk with somebody else, like uh, when it comes to books, like nonfiction ebooks, books things that I want to learn from, I want to make those physical books. I buy the mm-hmm. actual book book <laughs> instead of the <laughs> ebook because mm-hmm. if I get the e-book, I forget about it. But anyway, we digressed. So anyway, okay. So talk about working at uh, at Variety. So you were a still a reporter at this point.
1: Yeah, I was. I was a um, a reporter. And then actually, it was kind of weird. I, this is going to sound like the reverse of the way it should be, but it actually wasn't. I actually came into Variety. My first job there was as a special sections editor. So not as a reporter, but as okay. an editor. And then something opened up to become the tech reporter. And that was actually a more high profile job. Um, and, so in I, the 90s, the, first,
0: the tech reporter. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, well. It was like AOL
0: and, and CompuServe and stuff.
1: Yes. <laughs> no. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you that you you're exactly right. Right. I was covering, th- sort of, the dawn of the internet right. and digital media. Okay. And how that affected Hollywood. Really interesting. And let me tell you something. That was It was so cool back then, and I'm sure they don't do this anymore. They were kind of, uh, it was owned by a big company called Reed Elsevier. And they were sort of, they felt kind of bad that they couldn't really pay the journalists, the big kind of corporate salaries, even though it was in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I was actually making not horrible money. It was right. actually okay. okay. Um, but um, they would fly the reporters, editors, so, sort of one of your job perks was they would send you overseas once a year and fly you business class. I mean, just the stuff that doesn't happen anymore. Right. You know? Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. That, that was fun. It was a really good networking experience. Met a lot of people who had what I believe to be were these interesting jobs, on sort of the corporate marketing side of things. I just looked at these people. I was like, wow, you know, you're, you're getting to travel around. You're, you're in charge of these digital entertainment products that, that are really catching on right now. You're, you're breaking ground in a new industry. And I just thought I would rather be part of that than writing about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I actually left Variety, went to uh, the Kellogg School at Northwestern, got my MBA. And by the time I came out of the MBA program, it was kind of right at the dot-com boom, right when, right when all the IPOs were happening, mm. everything was racing higher. I um, was back in New York working at a little dot-com startup, uh, th- that is actually never went public. It's still around, but is kind of it's it's uh, it, they've done what most sensible business owners have done since then is they've kind of retreated back and making it, it made it much more of a small business, not right, not sort of these, you know, big things with grandiose visions. Right. Um,
0: We're yeah, going to change the world that, oh. and, then, and then and then get bought
1: out for a big Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 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 So they're, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're still around, but not what they were. And that's fine. I think it's sort of a business that, at least they survived, you know. That's right. That's, you know, and, and they were smart because they never did take venture capital, actually. Is, they were yeah. always bootstrapped.
0: Right. So, no, that, that's that, something that I, that now when I look at businesses and they, and I see maybe they're just p- uh, private, you know, they've mm-hmm. never done a IPO uh, yeah. and they've never taken any, any sort of outside money at all, but they're making tons of dough. So like, uh, have you ever heard of this company called Valve? They make computer games. Well, they used to make computer games, but Mm -mm. now they make this uh, digital game, like computer game, digital delivery platform service. Okay. That's their thing. And they've never taken any outside money. So that yeah. it's one of my favorite companies. Sorry, I digress yep. again. <laughs> no, 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 it's more, more and more common.
1: Yeah. So that's so that's what happened there. So I was over there for a couple years, and um, maybe maybe not even. It's it's I kind of. And I haven't named the company, so I'm okay saying this. I, I was a little annoyed with the arrogance of one of the founders. I, you mm. know, he was he was this twenty something guy, and you know now now he's probably in his early forties, I guess. But uh, at the time, uh, he was this twenty something guy who just thought he was the most brilliant person on earth. Of course. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's um, almost like required,
1: right? To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To go through yeah. that
0: thing because it's like this weird. Combination of, uh, hmm, irrational exuberance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't have yeah. any doubt that what you're doing is is going to work. Yeah. yeah. Even though that's completely irrational. That's and- right.
1: <laughs> uh, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. He had, he had worked for Seth Godin for a while. Oh, um, okay. Right. This was before Seth Godin was Seth Seth Godin. Godin. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like nobody had heard of him back then. Uh, But he had an interesting pedigree. So he did, uh, you know, he he had a few chops, but it was sort of still like, you know, enough of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, and I think that's the story many people have, Jeff. I mean, you know, you hear this a lot. I think people just say, oh, I don't, I just didn't want to work for this
0: person anymore. Right. You know, No, <laughs> so, I get it. Yeah. That's yeah. good that you had that, that it sounds like you've got like a lot of self-esteem anyway, as far as like your work life goes, because you're, you're not taking crap <laughs> and you you're, you're, you're kind of like listening to that sort of like this sort of sucks. I got to make my next move.
1: Oh <laughs> well, yeah. And you know, there were, there were a few more of those too. Sure. Along the yeah, way. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. The thing that ended up happening after that, which is really interesting was after I, I had, uh, I was in New York, which is fine, but I, I kind of, I missed California cause I had been in LA for many years and I love right. New York. It's, I just kind of felt at that time I wanted to go back to California. Okay. And, um, I was looking at some job board. I, I might have been some journal, early journalism jobs board that was around back around 2000. So this was like this was 2000 by this time. And um, I found something for Investors Business Daily, which I knew about. I knew they had existed. I knew they were in Los Angeles. And I just kind of submitted a resume and I guess they liked the fact that I had an MBA at that point, that I had journalism experience. They flew me out there. and that was kind of ridiculous because they were super cheap in how they flew me out there. And it was like three different planes on Southwest, which <laughs> today I would never put up with. You know, today I'd be like, no, let's, let's reroute this. I mean, talk about self-esteem, right? Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I, and I think it was less sort of being cowardly and more just, you know, when you're younger, you put up with stuff. Sure. Oh, when You're a little older. You're like, no, no, I'm not switching planes twice. Find <laughs> something better. You know, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> I, I remember that. That uh, was kind of weird. But, you know, went out there, met them for lunch, had a good interview, got hired and moved back to Los Angeles in January 2001. And check this out, Jeff. I ended up staying at Investors Business Daily for almost 10 years. It was just three months shy of 10 years. Wow. Not, so you were uh, happy there. It it was, you know, I created my own experience there, is what uh, happened. Right. That's um, nice. Yeah. I didn't stay at the same job at the same desk doing the same thing, eating the same lunch for <laughs> 10 years. No. <laughs> right. It was not. That. Right. Good. Um, yeah, no. Uh, it was uh, it was a really good learning experience. I learned about the stock market, the U.S. stock market, anyway, sort of one portion of it, uh, which they specialize in. I ended up um, teaching their seminars around the country, which was very cool. So, so learning some public speaking skills, mm. uh, it turned into an opportunity to do daily videos on the website. In fact, I was the one who created those. I saw one. it was interesting because one week my boss was out sick and she was great. She was she would um sh- she was open to a lot of ideas. Uh she's retired now herself. Uh, but she's she was open to a lot of ideas, very creative thinker and really gave me a lot of latitude. So she was out sick one week. And I was kind of like, I worked really closely with her. So kind of without without her to kind of partner with on projects, I was like, okay, well, let me let me check out a few other things maybe we could do. Mm. And I figured out how to make Camtasia
0: videos. Oh, Oh, right. Oh, those are fun. Yeah. And you have to do that at work? That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and what we would do was like uh investors business daily still has to this day. They have uh, these software programs that show you these fantastic stock market charts. Okay. And you can show price, volume history. I mean, I can geek out on this stuff. So that is that was fun about IBD was I began kind of geeking out on that stuff. And kind of like uh, learning
0: the nuts and bolts of stock stock market investing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really was. It really was. And, you know, some of that, not all of it, but some of it uh, is still useful to me to this day, although I've veered quite a bit since then as well. (laughs) You know, you you retain the knowledge. Um, Sure. So yeah, started doing those Camtasia videos, and then uh, that blossomed. Other people started doing them. You know, IBD still they have a video channel now. So yeah, I I have I take credit for that. I was the first person, and while my boss was out sick one week, I was the first person who kind of figured out let's be doing these videos. Mm. Um, Smart it turned into a good it was for a lot of fun. Yeah, that's it's a, a big fun. Deal.
0: Was mm-hmm. did, did YouTube even exist at that no. point? No. No. <laughs> Barely. I think just barely. I think, right. barely. I think but maybe. You probably had a library that you could upload when YouTube did exist. I don't know yeah. if it came yeah. around while you were still around, but
1: yeah, it was all kind of around the same time. We're we're mm. talking like this this was maybe so
0: this was between, like the mid 2000 and 2010 somewhere. Around. Yeah. yeah, it was in there, right? Exactly. Right. Nice. Yeah.
1: So yeah, so that's uh, that's how all that happened, and then um, it got to got to New Mexico. That's more of sort of a personal story but uh how how that all came uh, that all came about but uh (laughs) been here been here for a few years now and um was working it. i got licensed i got my series 65 license. well let me i skipped over a couple things actually sure uh i was actually and i still am i still write for forbes for u.s news i was working for jim kramer's company as a 1099 not as an employee okay for about two years i was doing the uh daily market updates for the street.com's uh, real money website okay which required very early mornings right like kind of scenely
0: early yeah cuz you have to be there before the the new york bell that's right and get all yes right <laughs> i started those on the west coast yeah. So you were getting up super early.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now I got it down to a point where I could kind of figure out how to get these done in like 60 to 90 minutes. You mm. know, by by the time I had been doing that for a couple of years, I pretty much knew like you And know. the stories
0: are usually out the day before too, right? You just yeah. if you know where to look.
1: Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of what I would do would be look at like um earnings reports and stuff that would come in early in the morning right. or you know, talk about like what the European and Asian markets had done overnight, that kind of thing. Okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I did that for a while and then um. was working for a company called Money Show and was doing like on camera videos for them and was doing not really a podcast technically. That's not what they called it back then. Right. This was a few years ago. Um, but it's like, you know, 2011 like a show almost. Yeah, it was, that's right. It was a, it was like a, an audio that they would post on their website oh, okay. and then the transcripts would go out to, uh, Forbes. So it was, it was pretty good exposure. Then I would do the videos and then, uh, got laid off from there. They, you know, they're, I don't, I, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that at that. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. And, okay. uh, yeah, um, And then at that time, I had already kind of been studying for what is called my Series sixty five license, which is a uh, a securities license to be an investment advisor representative, uh, more more on the fiduciary side, not the stockbroker side. Right, and um, and got so that's what people
0: usually think of as your financial advisor, almost. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because I really didn't know exactly what I was going to do with that. But, um, this I is not easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I kind of, I stopped and started, I kind of had the study materials for like a year before I really, <laughs> kinda, and I'll okay. tell you what, what sort of, you know, spurred me to, to pass that a little faster was when the, the money show thing dried up and I was kind of starting to see that. And this was that very, very beginning, Jeff, of when the, a lot of the media companies were saying, hey, we're not going to pay people to write anymore. Let everybody provide free content and build their brand.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Oh, oh, you wouldn't believe. So blogs yeah. started coming around.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh, and people were saying, oh, well, you can build your brand with free content. Well, yeah, that's true, but I also like living indoors and eating, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Wait a minute. I've been getting yeah. paid to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right, right. The other thing, too, was I was kind of, I had long, long realized that, you don't really help people as much as a financial journalist, and this does kind of come into the how am I actually serving people, mm. and that had bothered me for a very long time. Right. Um, like even back when I was at Investors Business Daily and I was teaching the stock trading seminars, and I've to- I've told this story many times, but there was that one of them. Can't remember what city I was in, but. Um, before the event started, a guy walks up to me and he introduced himself. He said he was a reader of the paper. He was a postal worker and his daughter was going to college that fall and he hadn't saved any money for her college and he wanted to start trading options to cover her tuition. So, Not a
0: good idea. Not a good idea. <laughs> Not a good idea. You
1: no. Know, Go to Vegas.
0: It's about the same thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: right? And uh, they bring you free drinks. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It's um. It, that bothered me. Mm. And, and I kind of that story stuck with me, along with a lot of other things about, you know, this whole idea of people trying to get a winning stock. And I kind of started to wonder, well, who cares if you have a winning stock? I mean, that sounds great. But what does that really do for you? Uh, yeah. You know, you, you can does does it mean that you can live to 100 on the proceeds from this winning stock? Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, right. uh, so that had kind of been bothering me for a long time that I just didn't feel like I was really providing much value to people. So, past the series sixty-five, I was living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, at that time, and uh, joined a firm based in Albuquerque, a registered investment advisor firm. Worked there for a couple years, learned the business, got my feet wet. Um, again, another veer. I kind of wanted to do things differently. Okay. Um, kind of, and again, didn't like working for somebody. I did not like trooping into somebody else's office every day. Right. A- and kind of sitting there and and I, I just I didn't like it. And honestly, the building was old and kind of smelly and it was just <laughs> like, yeah, it's just an, like, oh, it's an icky building. It's an icky building. um. So, you know, but that wasn't the only thing. It was just kind of like, no, I didn't want to be in somebody else's shadow because the person who owned that company um. He's fairly young to be somebody who owns a car. Again, we're, same thing, same thing. It's like working for somebody younger than I was, which is fine. That That's not even the issue, Jeff. Mm. Um, it, it's just more kind of like, well, wait a second. I'm always going to be in this person's shadow
0: right. if I stay in this firm right. and do this. And you were kind of uh, ready to do your own thing at that point. Totally, yes. Yeah.
1: Now, the other really nice thing and this was just serendipitous, but sometimes that's how life works out. sure. um another person who had been working at that firm who basically was running the firm uh from an operation standpoint and just knew the business super well um uh, is currently my business partner today. Oh, so nice. She, uh, yeah, yeah. so we currently we co-own better money decisions today. And that just and, you know, we had worked together for a couple years at the firm. We knew each other. I, I knew what she was capable of and vice versa. And we kind of bring some different skill sets in a sense. Right. Um, yeah. So in some some areas we overlap, mm-hmm. but but it, it just it, it's a really nice partnership. Works out super well. Uh, she's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Right. And yeah. And that's just phenomenal. Um we also have a third person who works at our firm who also worked at that other <laughs> registered investment advisor. Oh nice. Yeah, and he's he's a young guy and he um he kind of handles some of the more of the back end trading allocations. He he's really really has a very good mind. For that, like you can sort of ask him for help and how a portfolio should be allocated, and he he'll mm. whip out the spreadsheets and and yeah, just yeah. think through very carefully, and he's great. So that's kind of one of that was that two years at that other registered investment advisor firm, it served me so well just in terms of what i learned what i realized i wanted to do what i didn't want to do mm. and meeting these two great people that i get to work with at my own firm today
0: right wow yeah and that's cool because i think whenever i've seen uh there's a lot of partnerships that really work right it mm-hmm. seems like a lot of businesses need at least two people Yeah. You know, and, you know, like you said, you you kind of like one of you is really good at one thing and and the others are really good at another thing. But together, you're like, you know, plus 10. Right. Well, it's so true. Better, (laughs) even better. Now, let me tell you something. When she
1: when she came on board, she had a non-compete for a year and we had, been you know, we had been talking that whole time. Um, it, it, she had a consulting business she was doing for that okay. year. And then finally, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. I was about at the point where I was saying, I cannot do this myself because mm. I was kind of doing it part time. Right. Um, and this is sort of the whole thing we were talking about in the pre-show chat. I think about, you know, don't, uh, don't just quit don't what you're your doing. Job, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> right. At, at that point, I was still making money from, I was getting paid by U.S. News mm. to write articles for them, Okay. Um, which is really nice because that was a friend of mine from Investor's Business Daily whom I had worked with back there. And he is now one of the top editors at U.S. News in their finance area. Okay, And uh, so I was getting paid to do that. And I was kind of doing the my own. I was kind of running better money decisions part time because I was making money from the articles, not from. Not from the the asset management business at that right. time. Okay. Because um, we were starting from
0: scratch, completely sure. starting from scratch.
1: Yeah. And um, you just
0: have an idea, no clients.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's I get right. It. Yeah. yeah. There were, I think, I had like a million under management. It was not very much. You know, you're not. It was not much at all. Okay. And um, and uh, when Lorraine came on board after her non compete expired a year later, that's when things really took off. That's yeah things took off. Yeah. Because there were two of us. Yeah. There were two of us in there. You know, she was able to look at things, structure things much better. I mean, she looked at some things that I had going on um, and just said, no, that's too expensive. We got to stop doing that. We got to bring these in house. It was like, boom, everything just changed. And right around the same time, uh, the other fellow I was telling you about that we worked with before, Brian Hiron, He's, uh, he also, it was just, it was weird, Jeff. I mean, just weird in a good way. I hadn't talked to Brian in about two years and he texted me and just said, hey, I I see you have a company. I'd love to get back into the business. Let's chat. Yeah.
0: Cool. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right, right. right?
1: So all of these things kind of happened right at the same time and that's when things started to take off. So, you know, it's not necessarily... Yes, there's an element of maybe serendipity and things falling into my lap, but it was also just relationships I had built and things yeah. I had done prior to
0: that. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, sometimes randomness feels like luck. You might as yeah. well be optimistic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. 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 So let, let's talk a little bit about uh, what the difference because you, you brought up the fiduciary and mm-hmm. and I, I have an idea what that means, but mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about like that opposed to maybe what people think about a financial advisor or maybe some, a financial planner.
1: Mm-hmm. So, cause
0: there's a big difference. Yeah.
1: And the terminology is a little strange. It um, is, I know. Yeah. So, okay. So let's start with financial planner. Let's start right. with that. Anybody can pretty much call themselves a financial planner. You mean I could be a financial planner? Yeah, you could call yourself a financial planner. Wow. Uh Uh (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, you
0: could. Thanks for telling me that. (laughs) I got to go. I got to do business to start. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Now, there is the credential, which is very difficult to get. It's called Certified Financial Planner. And that's the one that most people are thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Certified Financial Planner is... Ah, uh, you have to go through a series of classes. You have to pass a rigorous exam, and you already have to be a licensed advisor. You have to be a college graduate. You have to have a a clean record. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. We have we are a financial planning firm, and we okay. have on staff, an awesome certified financial planner. Her name is Susan Coe, and uh, we brought her on board about a year ago. And she's fantastic. So that's that's how we work. That now, in terms of the stockbroker, uh, which nobody calls themselves any themselves anymore, but I right. use that term in a derogatory way because that is what they are. Uh, <laughs> a a, a stockbroker. When I think of
0: stockbroker, I think of the movie uh, Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, you know, they're still out there. And these are the people who do not have, um, at least in most of their business, and, and you know, they could quibble about saying, well, in certain parts of my business, I'm a fiduciary, and others, I'm not. Well, <laughs> Well, yeah. That's great. I like that. Right? How yeah. crazy is that? I go, I'm glad you found that funny because I do too. It's like, <laughs> how crazy is that? You know? Right, right. So they it gives them sort of the license to say, I'm a fiduciary. Well, over here you are, over here you're not. You still get commissions um, to, to trade, usually mutual funds that have high sales charges. You know, some of Lots your listeners probably- yeah. Right. Exactly. If you hear the term no load fund or load fund, that's one people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. These are all these fees, these sales charges. So a traditional stockbroker and they're at sort of the big name firms that you drive around. You see them on every corner. These big I call them chain stores, these big national brand names. Right. Um, These are the ones that get a commission. Um, We move over a lot of portfolios from those people, Jeff, and mm-hmm. they're expensive, they're risky, they're almost never appropriate for the client. Right. Um now as a fiduciary, we do not get commissions. So we're not incentivized to say, well, if I sell you this fund, I'm going to make a hundred dollars today. Right. Right. It doesn't right. work that way. Right.
0: Um we we or, use like they were doing in the Wolf of Wall Street, that was more important to just keep doing transactions because oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're paid per transaction. So I was like, Oh, it's time to sell. Oh, it's time to buy. Oh, it's time yep. to sell. And, and there, the guy, you know, the poor clients going, okay. <laughs> oh, I have no idea.
1: Right. No idea. We right. see this pretty routinely. Actually, a friend of mine, um, actually my trainer at the gym, she's in her thirties and, uh, she showed me, uh, her, cause she got a little inheritance and she showed me, uh, her statement. And I was absolutely horrified. It was one of these big national companies and they're just trading with impunity. And it's like, (laughs) well, you know why, right, right. Right. Yeah. Rhetorical question. Yeah. (laughs) For her, it didn't make sense for the broker. I could see it, you know. Sure. Um, So we're probably going to. Do a little work on that, but she and I need to talk next week about yeah. <laughs> what we're gonna yeah. what we're gonna do about that. Right. But um, yeah, so that's really you know, we use funds from a company called Dimensional Fund Advisors, very low cost, uh no no commissions, we don't work that way. We work just by a fee, we're fee only. And mm-hmm. by that, when you when your listeners, if they hear that term fee only, mm. what that means is there's no commissions. So you and your advisor agree on what the fee is that you're you're going to be paying.
0: Right. Some percentage of whatever it is you're investing.
1: That's right. Exactly. And, you know, we provide a lot of services for that. We provide comprehensive financial planning. Mm -hmm. We, um, you know, one of the things we kind of joke about with clients, but it's absolutely true, a question we get all the time is, can I buy a new vehicle? We we get that question all the time and people want to know, you know, can I afford it? Can I finance it? Should I buy new? Should I buy used? You know, we'll help them with that. Um, you know, all kinds of things. I have a client right now who has a, a question about getting her business officially registered with the Secretary of State here in New Mexico. So I'm going to be helping her on that.
0: Oh, wow. Um, Holy
1: yeah. cow. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Oh, no. It's it's pretty full service. And I would uh, I would challenge anybody out there with a stockbroker at one of these big national firms. Mm. They're not helping you with that.
0: No. And so – they're just, yeah. you know, they're basically uh, a transaction machine.
1: No, that's exactly right. That it's a transactional business,
0: right? You know, which is it has I its place. Wanna, you know,
1: it does. But I think it would be very, very difficult to be starting from zero every month. Uh, you know, I, and and that right. that stresses people out. A lot of people kind of move over from that transactional stockbroker business and move over to the pure fiduciary registered investment advisor side. Simply yeah. because they get sick of that treadmill of starting at zero every month.
0: Right. Yeah. No. No doubt. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they get some trailing commissions. I mean, to be fair, and that's part that's part of the reason why some of them don't like to leave that business is because they get trailing commissions. So, if like a product you sold two years ago, you're still getting residual income from that, and they don't want to give that up. But what they don't realize is that if you're if you're managing assets fee only you're still going to be getting recurring income. Right. It, oh, nice. Yeah. Right. So I, I kinda I, I don't I, I don't understand the reluctance on the part of some people, but I know that I would never
0: run my business any other way. Nice. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you've had quite the journey, Kate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, I know I don't Jeff, I don't sit around talking about this. Like this is this is this has been kind of therapeutic. I, I, are yeah, are you? Yeah, are,
0: well that's that's part of the show is it's yeah. you know, you wanna you don't wanna keep it you don't wanna make you skipped over the private stuff pretty well. Good job. <laughs> it's not that interesting to anybody but me, and it's not even well, interesting to me any it would so. be interesting to me, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have people to share more than they're ready to share. Maybe we'll save that for the next time you're on the show. Sure. <laughs> okay, Kate. This has been a blast. Uh, you are at BetterMoneyDecisions dot com, and yes. uh, and you're helping folks make better money decisions. <laughs> well, we and are not Absolutely. just buying you know index funds or whatever you know. Right. It mm-hmm. You're helping. You know, and that sounds like. Uh, way more full service and you putting, you're putting the word full. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 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 So basically anybody that calls and says, I'm your, I'm your client. I need help with this. You're pretty much, well, you can spend money to do that. It's okay. (laughs) Wow. We're
1: we're happy to help. We really are. We introduce people to business brokers. I mean, we're really, we're there to help. You know, one thing too, can I give an offer for your listeners? Of course. Okay. Uh, We are happy to do a free portfolio review for you. So if anybody wants to contact me, Kate at bettermoneydecisions.com, I can talk to you about what we would need to do that. No obligation. Cool. And I'm happy to to take a look and see if you're invested the right way.
0: I will put that in the show notes. So if anybody is driving right now and listening, you can just uh, check out Kate's show on my website. Right on. Thanks, Kate. This has been a blast. Have a good one.